Hello, friends. This is the Neatarts Friends Church podcast. We are Jesus people, Kingdom of God people, welcoming, yearning, sharing. And we're glad you're connecting here with us. We'd love to connect in person as well. If you're inclined to support this podcast or for more information, just hop on over to neatartsfriends.org. That's neatartsfriends.org. Let's jump into today's sermon. I want to begin today by asking you to take a moment to think back through your life to what you might call some of your God experiences, some of your divine encounters. For some people, those memories carry a sense of experiencing something transcendent and otherworldly. And so those memories are things that you are certain of beyond a shadow of a doubt. And for other people, to ask them to go back to their God experiences, perhaps some of those experiences carry more of a question mark. And so you can think of a moment, but you say, was was that God? I don't know. Either way, go back in your memory to those experiences and pause for a moment. Think about what those moments were like, what those experiences were like. Remember what happened. Remember what it felt like. It's okay if those memories don't feel the same way now as they did then. Part of the way our memory works is that our our memories are shaped by where we're at in our life right now. So that probably means that for some of you that memory appears to be very vivid. Uh, And for some of you, maybe those memories have lost some of their color. Uh, Some of those memories may feel highly significant right now. Or you might even doubt some of those memories, those God experiences based on where you're at in your life right now. But going back to those experiences, when that experience first happened, did you try to tell someone about it? Did you try to find words to describe your experience clearly to someone else? And that it's not a pass-fail question. I'm just curious, how did that go? Was it possible? Was it possible to capture your God experience with words? Now, my personal answer to that question is no. Uh, most of my very significant God experiences No, it's not really possible. I can't completely capture what that experience was with words. Uh, Words are only symbols. And so we can only describe that spiritual experience imperfectly and incompletely. And, And that's at least my answer. It's not possible to capture with words 
a God experience, at least not completely, to grab with words what this experience actually was like and how it actually felt and what it actually meant to me. And yet, words are some of our best attempts. Like, words are what we have. And we encounter something similar in the letter of James. Uh, you find it in the New Testament. We've been working through the book of James. And behind what James is writing is a very personal experience with his own brother Jesus, a very personal experience with God. It's an experience that cannot be fully captured with words because it's richer and deeper and more colorful than what James can say. James is not trying to write doctrines or good advice in his letter. He's trying, imperfectly, as we all do, to describe a spiritual experience and pass on what God has said to him personally. So the question is, what was James' spiritual experience with God like? What was he trying to pass on when he was writing this letter, the letter of James? Well, last Sunday, we saw that James was talking about this birth that God desires to give to humanity, a birth through the word of truth that we might become a kind of first fruits of all creation. And that word first fruits, we looked at this last week, means becoming what humanity is supposed to look like, becoming the best of all creation. Now, what did James sense that God was telling him that humanity is supposed to look like? And, and what is this birth that God was trying to accomplish in James' life and in the life of other people? Well, it's, it's fascinating if you just keep reading. The very next thing that James writes is this. He says, my beloved brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the justice that God desires. So when James thought about what, what humanity is supposed to look like, he was thinking back to his own experiences with his older brother, Jesus. Thinking back to growing up with five brothers and two sisters in a family with Jesus as his oldest brother. Thinking back to Egypt, Egypt experiences and Nazareth experiences and Capernaum experiences getting into trouble together, working together, struggling together, playing, arguing, traveling, eating, sleeping, life together. And he was thinking about all the ways that Jesus was like him and like his siblings. 
and all the ways that Jesus was different. With all these memories of a brother who was so different, how are you supposed to recognize God in your own brother? Now, we would all like to say that if God spoke to us, of course we would be all ears. Like, well, if God actually said anything to me, yeah, I would listen. But when God is your own brother, it's awfully hard to be all ears. And James was never all ears. When his brother started making waves in the world, James was not ready to listen to Jesus. He was ready to round him up and haul his crazy brother home. Uh, they, they actually said, Mary and Jesus' siblings said, he's out of his mind, and they went to take charge of him. His brother, Jesus, was constantly talking about listening. Jesus is constantly talking about listening. Like, let the one who has ears, let them hear. Jesus valued listening over doing. Jesus was constantly listening to people in society who had no voice. Outcasts, lepers, children, slaves, blind people, foreigners, tax collectors, prostitutes, many women which, of course, brought shame on the entire family. Jesus was not just impacting himself in an honor-shame culture. Being connected to people who had no voice meant he was bringing shame on the entire family. And so when the authorities became so inflamed that they conspired to murder Jesus, James, of course, was not listening to his brother. He was not supporting his brother. He thought his brother had gone off the deep end. Like, of course, his own brother wasn't actually God, wasn't actually the Messiah. How could that be? And it wasn't until his brother came back from the dead, back from a Roman crucifixion, back from a Roman spear, ripping into his ribcage and bleeding him out, back from being buried, left for dead. It wasn't until that that anything changed for James. It wasn't until James faced his brother back from the dead that his entire world cracked open. All of those years, all those years that he hadn't been listening to his brother, he realized that he had not been listening to God. That is the moment behind this letter, this realization. All those years that I wasn't listening to my own brother, I was not listening to God. So, first fruits, that this birth through the word of truth, that you might become the first fruits, which is what humanity is supposed to look like. What is humanity supposed to look like? Well, that's the question James is looking at in his own life. I imagine him replaying every time that he was quick to speak 
and slow to listen, snarky with his own brother Jesus. Every time that Jesus said something and he knew that he had just become inflamed with frustration and anger and criticism, if only James could have those moments back, if only he could go back and reclaim so many years that he had just wasted with his own brother. If James could give one gift to the larger family of Jesus, every beloved brother and sister of Jesus, it would be this gift that he learned the hard way to receive, which is that every moment, every year of not listening to your brother or your sister is another moment and another year of not listening to God. And James wished like crazy he could have that time back. James wasn't trying to share a good concept for like HR reps or something. And he wasn't trying to peddle a set of fake listening instructions about, well, if you nod at the right time and you say, uh-huh, at the right time, then you can put on this act in order to make someone feel heard. That's not what he's doing here. He is sharing the thing that has changed him more than anything else in the universe and the thing that he wished he would have learned decades earlier. What is humanity supposed to look like? Well, we are created to listen. And if we refuse to listen to one another, who we can hear, how will we ever listen to God, who we cannot hear? If we refuse, as John says, to love our neighbor, who we can see, how will we ever love God, who we cannot see? So a discussion question here. We discussed this together on Sunday. Think of a situation where you wish you could get time back to listen to someone and to give them your full attention. What was going on in that situation that kept you from listening? So go ahead and spend some time reflecting on that. The word that James used for listening Akuo, it doesn't just describe one of the five senses. So it's not just a word for hearing, like an auditory sensation. Akuo describes taking someone's message in, accepting the content in such a way that you understand the message and you are even changed by that message. God, throughout scripture, is a listening God. It, listening is embedded in the core of God's being. The Father listens to the Son. The Spirit listens to the Son. The Son listens to the Father. The Spirit listens to the Father. The Father listens to the Spirit. Around and around and around. So to be created in the image of God means to be created to listen Bible scholar Klein Snodgrass claims that God's biggest complaint in all the Bible is that people aren't listening. 
that they have a freely chosen deafness. And so over 1,500 times in the Bible, these words listen and hear show up. It's like if we never listen, we will never love. And in so many ways, listening and love are indistinguishable. Like listening is love. Renowned psychologist Scott Peck says it this way. He says, love's primary form is attention. So the very best gift that you can give to someone is your attention. It's listening. It's your presence. And if you disagree with that statement, just ask any kid whose parent was never there and never listening, but threw a whole bunch of money at them. Just ask them, hey, did you feel loved? Love's primary form is attention. Listening is how we live out and communicate someone else's personal value and their worth. Words represent people, represent persons. Their verbal and nonverbal communication is how they represent themselves in this world. And so to listen to them is to recognize their deep value, that they are an unrepeatable person in this universe. They are the only one. And to listen is to recognize the image of God within them. If you refuse to listen to your brother or sister who you can hear, you'll never hear what God is saying to you. There's no greater gift. There's no better way to communicate to a person that they matter and that they are a person of infinite worth than to listen to them, to give them the gift of your full attention. Neurologist Joseph Dispenza tells us that at any given moment, we have about 400 billion pieces of information coming into our brain per second. But our brains can only process about 2,000 pieces of information per second. So you can see on the graphic <laughs> the vast difference between those two numbers. Now, let's add a layer. So now the blue is the 2,000 words that we actually can't, or pieces of information that we actually can process. The average rate of speech per second is 125 words per minute or about two words per second. So that means that we can think way faster than most people can talk. And so it's no wonder that we become impatient, that we're like, hurry up, get to the point. We're thinking ahead of people all the time. People talk way too slow for our brains, and so we anticipate where they're going and what they're going to say next, and we finish their sentences, and we interrupt them, and we plan what we're going to say in response, and we get distracted and think about our to-do list and what's for dinner, because listening is boring. We multitask, and we lose the thread of what they're saying, and listen selectively, like, uh, did you say something about coffee? 
but we're not going to listen to their ants' trip to Europe. We think faster than people talk. But that's not the only struggle. The most common struggle is that listening, the most common struggle with listening is that you're wrapped up in your own world and listening requires you to set aside your own world. You have to set aside your need to be heard. We all love the sound of our own voice and plenty of us are good talkers. And so listening is hard work to truly spend time listening to someone. It can make you feel tired. It can make you feel exhausted, queasy, give you a headache. And there's nothing wrong with you if that's the case. It's like sometimes that's just real. It's hard work. You have to set aside your own ego and your own preoccupations and your own agenda to truly listen You can't use someone else's story as a launch pad for like, well, oh, let me tell you how hard of a time I had and how much I've suffered. And you can't use their story as a launch pad for, uh, well, let me tell you how amazing I am and uh, how incredible I am and this, this cool thing about me. And you can't use what they said as your launch pad to have the last word. To truly listen, you have to shift your entire consciousness to give someone your entire attention. It's an act of the will. The choice to listen means that you're constantly fighting against time. Time is one of our most precious commodities that we have, and you never have enough of it. We all have all kinds of pressure and stress and demands on our life, sucking away at our time. And we all have our own desires. Like there's the life that you wish you had. There's what you actually wish you were doing right now. And in real listening, you give that most precious commodity that you have away, your time. You treat the person who you are with in that moment as if you have all the time in the world. The choice to listen is constantly fighting against your own sense of reality, how you perceive the world to be. It's far easier to listen with critical critical ears, critical ideas, than it is to listen to understand. Like, it's easier to listen... And try to figure out what's wrong with what someone's saying. Like, they don't see it the way I see it. So I'm going to figure out where I disagree and where I agree and where our common ground is and where our uncommon ground is. And you can claim when you're doing that, you can claim that you're listening because you know the facts of what someone else is saying. Like if someone said what they say, you could probably repeat a fair amount of it, but it's not listening because you aren't trying to actually understand. You're being a corrector. You're judging them. While they are talking, you are evaluating them and you're often forming a rebuttal in your mind. Well, that's not right, so I'm going to say this. And underneath it all, oftentimes, You, me, whoever does this, 
we're acting like the smartest person in the room. It's like, well, I know more than anyone else here. I know more than this person. Listening is hard work, and it's especially hard work when life is stressful. The more stress people are under, the more pressure they are crushed by, the less they feel ready to really listen to someone else. They're not ready to open themselves up to someone else's experience in empathy and in solidarity. And so the conflicts just keep rising because everyone's focused on winning and their answer being right and getting what they want. But James, in his letter, says that becoming who we are created to be, this birth through the word of truth to become a kind of first fruit of creation, doesn't have anything to do with being the smartest person in the room or getting what you want. It has to do with becoming a community that listens. And so it's why James says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, be slow to become angry. That, that word anger, it has this flavor of criticism to it, the, the Greek word orge. Uh, when you listen out of criticism, when you listen out of anger, you're acting like you don't have anything to learn from that person. Rather than listening to understand, listening to love, in anger, in criticism, you are listening to win. You want to win the argument. You want to be right. And we all have people who, when they start talking, they cause, we might not say I'm angry, but they cause us to be critical, meaning our defenses go up and now we're on guard. When they're here, when they're talking, our defenses are turned on. We're not ready to accept what that person is saying. For some people, the the person that causes our hackles to go up, our defenses to go up, happens to be someone who we see all the time, we interact with them all the time, and we, we see everything that person does through a lens of judgment. For others, it's not someone you see every day. Rather, it's someone who you don't see very often. They're vastly different from you. They are foreign to you. And so rather than find the common ground and figure out, oh, we're both created in the image of God, all you can see in that person is the uncommon ground, the miles of difference between you and that person. So a quick discussion question. When you are being the best version of yourself, what does your listening look like? And when you are being the worst version of yourself, what does your listening look like? Take a few moments and contrast those two pictures. The question that really gets to the heart of listening, and this has been asked by people way wiser than me. I'm just sharing it with you. Um, But the question is, are you willing to be changed by someone else? 
that's really the question at the heart of listening. Are you willing to encounter the other, not simply as a source of information, but as a source of transformation? Are you willing to not just evaluate the facts of what they're saying, but to listen for the ideas that they are constructing with those facts? Uh, a, A helpful question here is, like, as someone sharing, to ask them, okay, what's the most important thing that you want me to grasp about what you're saying? Like, okay, well, as you put this all together, what are you wanting me to get? Are you willing to believe that what this person is telling you about their experience is true for them? even if it doesn't match your experience at all. This is like the what is lying underneath with empathy is sometimes someone tells us something and it doesn't match our experience at all. And so we just want to say, hogwash, that's not real. Are you willing to be changed by what they're saying? Which means, are you willing to believe that what they're telling you about their experience is real for them? Are you willing to be changed by what they are telling you at that level, at least? Are you willing to enter into the spiritual revolution that James is trying to pass on to you? All those years that he wished that he could get back, that he never listened to his brother, he realized later, I wasn't listening to God. And For you, by failing to listen to this person who's right in front of you, this person in your life, Jesus Christ is present in the very least of these. By failing to listen to this person, at some level, you are closing yourself to God. And are you willing to see, to accept, to understand that If you were open to listening to this person, you could be amazed by them if you would seek to understand them rather than seek to be understood. In some way, God would reveal himself to you through this person. If you would pursue, if you would ask, tell me more. And what is it like for you? and seek to understand their heart, their perspective, their underlying message, that somewhere within that, you would find someone who is created in the image of God. And you would find by listening to them that you have something to learn, that you have a way to grow in love, a way to be changed. The goal of listening can never be winning. It can never be information. It is transformation. It is love. My beloved brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the justice that God desires. 
So a final reflection question. Who is the Spirit showing you that you need to listen to in your life? To, to say, tell me more. What is it like for you? And to listen. I'll leave you with that. Thank you for joining us for a Sunday sermon from Neatart's Friends Church. We hope you'll join us soon for one of our in-person worship gatherings. For more information, hop on over to neatartsfriends.org. God's peace be with you, friends.